Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome to the show. My name is Luke Payson. I'm joined today by Adrian Garcia, who fights out of Florida and is going to be the main event coming up for Stout Fighting MMA, which is going to be held at the Princescape Arena, October 12th. Adrian, welcome to the show. Hey, Luke. Thanks for having me. So great having you on the show. Uh, it's important not only that you're on the show, but to talk a little bit about Stout Fights. Uh, they've done... Muay Thai before in the Pittsburgh area. They, they're really known for BJJ, holding BJJ tournaments, and uh, really a dominant BJJ. But this is their first time the organization of Stout Fights is hosting MMA. Um, it's going to be at the Princecape Arena October 12th. And you are going to be in the main event versus Jonas Rubiano, uh, who's 2-1, and one, and he's their, their hometown guy. And so let's start there. What's it like? Um, getting the call to come fight in Pittsburgh. You're from Florida. You train in Florida. What's it like saying, yes, I'm going to come to Pittsburgh and fight a hometown Pittsburgh guy? Um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool experience uh, being just with one fight, being 2-0, being flown out. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate it a lot. Um, Andy Anderson, the promoter, gave me the opportunity to fly out there and uh, you know, show what I got, show how we do it in Miami. <laughs> Now that is exciting for sure. Um, is it is it something where you're you're okay with being in enemy territory? Are you bringing a, a big group of people with you? Or are you cool with having just your corners and just going in and getting the job done? What's your mindset? Unlike fighting weight, where where you can have a, a big group of people around. Well, um, of course, I like having my my hometown guys there. Everyone supporting me. But uh, at the end of the day, when I'm in there, I'm not really thinking about all that. I'm just going in there to do my job and I win. So that's uh, what sure. I'm going to do October 12th. Uh, the only one that's flying out with me, other than my corners, is uh, my dad. So my dad's okay. going to be out there screaming. And he, he's pretty loud. He's a Cuban, so you're going to be hearing his voice on top of everybody. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Well, that's what matters. That's what matters to have such such a great family support for your from your dad. That sounds wonderful. Um, so you obviously had an amateur career prior to turning pro. You had that one pro uh, fight. So um, let, let's go back to the amateur career a little bit. Um, what was it like fighting at the amateur level? Obviously, you didn't win every fight, which is cool and fine. Um, I think a lot of times amateur fighters get too focused on staying unbeaten, as great as that would be, but then they don't end up taking the fights that would grow them. So exactly. what was your amateur career like for you? Oh, well, you just hit the, the nail on the head. <laughs> um, I see a lot of amateur guys. They go pro way too soon, and they go up against right. someone who's had a, a long amateur career like myself who's faced, you know, every type of opponent, strikers or grapplers, and then they get swept by a guy like me because uh, my first pro fight was against mm-hmm. an amateur who was 7-0. and 
Yeah. So there you go. You know, um, Jonas, <laughs> I think he has a little less experience than me, at least in the amateur level. And I don't know who he's, who he has gone against, but uh, I can tell you that they're not more experienced than I am. That is definitely right. not, especially. Well, and, and I think that makes sense. You know, one of the things that's that's so important in MMA is the humility to want you yourself to get better. You know, learning isn't comfortable. I think we, we know the expression, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, but, but that actually is harder uh, done than said, right? And so yeah. what's it like in your training camp knowing that you'd rather be in an uncomfortable position. I know that this has happened where, where some fighters just don't put themselves in uncomfortable positions, whether it's a certain position like Mount or whether it's going up against the guy that throws the crazy kicks. What's it like? You mentioned Miami. What's it like in your training camp? Who's your, who's your main trainers and, and sparring partners? What gym are you affiliated with? And what do you, what do you think's good about your training uh, camp for you? Well, uh, right now, well, since I started, I've been training at the Freestyle Fighting Academy here in Miami mm-hmm. for about five years. So I started where I'm still at. I have the, the best training partners, some of the best fighters, in my opinion, and on the East Coast, in the South of the world. I have uh, coaches like uh, Marco Savillon, Jason Soares, and uh, hey, Dear Terry to help me out. Um, I got uh, Carlos Espinosa, who has been a great training partner for me this uh, camp. They're another 125ers just like me, so they put, help mm. me push the pace. Yeah, mm. They help me uh, get ready for every fight. So I take a lot of beating in practice, but uh, trust me, <laughs> it's not going to be like that uh, the day of the fight. <laughs> well, that is that is something that I think um, as fighters, you know, people that people that fight and train realize that you you need tough training. It, it sounds weird, I think, for a lot of people, but you have such a limited number of fights, you know, a professional MMA career is a lot. If you get to 20 or 25 or 30, you know, a pro fights in your entire career, but the training you're going to do 10, a hundred times more than that in training, as far as working and, and training. So I think training gets overlooked because we just look at the fights. Um, and so that that's important. Speaking of looking at fights, you mentioned that your first pro opponent what you were a debut he was a debut coming in seven and oh um how much research do you do on your opponent and do you think that's going to change as you work up the ranks or are you in like a groove now where you kind of know what you do research wise um and i don't mean just about jonas i mean just in general how much research and game planning do you do uh well usually i i I do look up the name as soon as i get a name i uh, i'll google him youtube him and try to find his his most recent fight, because um, I think everyone grows after sure. their last fight. They're not the same fighter anymore. Mm-hmm. So I try to find the most recent info on them, how they won, what their past losses have been. But uh, right now, I don't look at amateur careers as much, because uh, for me, I've, I've made a big jump from one fight to the next. And I, I assume it's like that for everyone. So I do my research, but after maybe a day or two, I, I think I know what the game plan is. I come up with a game plan mm-hmm. with my coaches and we start working on that. Absolutely. Well, you're absolutely correct. One of the things that, that happens so much in MMA is it, this isn't really football, pro football, which is going huge right now where there's not maybe a ton you can do in a week or five days before between games. And sometimes better coaches can come up with a game plan in five days. You have months between fights. And I think it is important to recognize that you're not going to be the same fighter you were in February when you made your debut. Exactly. Um, and, and speaking of February, 
that's eight. That's about eight months in between. Was that the plan? Did you want to get a pro fight and then have, you know, six, seven months of training in between, or did things just not work out? Like that's a pretty good gap of time between your, your last fight. Uh, yeah, I know it is. I was hoping to fight a lot sooner. I was actually looking okay. for a fight earlier this year, but uh, it didn't happen. I, uh, I had a trip uh, earlier this summer and uh, I could have fought back then, but I had just, I had a trip planned for so long and I could have canceled. <laughs> so afterwards I was going crazy looking for a fight. I uh, had opponents pull out, opponents say no. So finally this uh, this one worked out for me. So after this one, I, I think I have another one set for December. So I have, okay, nice. uh, I want to go three and no this year and have my, my new, this new year, 2020, my most active year as a pro. And what would be, what would be an active as a pro? Let's say you make it to December three and oh, you're celebrating new year, all excited about 2020, which just sounds fun. 2020 is a great year. Yeah. Um, what would, what would be, what's like a magical number out there? If you could fight the perfect number of fights for you in 2020, how many would that be? Well, three and oh is a minimum for me, but let's say okay. if I have knockouts and I'm not hurt, I could go as much as my body lets me, you know? Maybe okay, four, sure. five is pushing it, but uh, three minimum for sure. Three minimum, gotcha. It makes sense. Something that not all our listeners understand, which can be tough at the uh, regional pro level where you're not signed to a multi-fight contract with a big promotion. Um, finding fights is, is tough because yeah. you're – yeah, because there's nobody, there's nobody necessarily trying to develop you. It can be challenging. Right. I think it's smart to fly to Pittsburgh and take a fight um, because this gives you an opportunity. And, and really what's weird about pro is that unlike in the UFC or Bellator where contracts are such that you get, usually you get a certain number of fights or somebody kind of has to fight you. It's, it's weird at the uh, regional level where a fighter could look at you and, and say, nope, that they don't want to, or maybe they're looking for a different fight or uh, a, a different situation or, I mean, who knows? So it can be very frustrating at the early pro level where um, you, you just want to get the experience. So, so how do you stay motivated? You had kind of about eight months, seven, seven months where you would have rather thrown a fight in there and you couldn't, obviously you took the trip and then that fight didn't work out. Some other things. How do you stay motivated when you go longer than you'd like without a fight? Well, um, that, that motivates me right there. That, that big gap, probably not having a fight sure. is just all the motivation I need. I remember why I started mm-hmm. when I'm, whenever I'm feeling unmotivated, I remember why I started. So sure. it gives me the, the push in my training every day, waking up, getting up early and, not training when I don't want to, you know, so that's my motivation. Sure. Absolutely. I, I think that's a big difference, particularly in individualized sports where yes, you have a team around you and it's great that you shouted out your team name, but particularly in fighting, if you get up and you just do a little less than you're supposed to, or you don't quite give your all, you're going to hurt yourself. It's going to hurt you, you know? Um, And and that doesn't always, people don't always get that. You know, people take breaks or they, or they uh, take shortcuts and and they don't realize that at the end of the day, you're going to face somebody who exploits whatever that weakness is. And, and obviously Mm -hmm. the guys that make it at the highest level, they're, uh, they're always, they're always looking to improve themselves. So that, that's, that's pretty great. Now, as a, pretty early pro, you know, what's it yeah. like schedule-wise for you? Do you have a full-time job? Are you working multiple things? Kind of what's your day-by-day um, schedule for you? 
So day by day schedule. I have a pretty flexible schedule until okay. earlier this year. I was working at a warehouse. I hated it. I was working to. It was a part time job, but um, if you want to be a full time fighter, it's it's really hard. And I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine how full time full time would be. And I know people yeah. do it and they make it work, but uh, I just can't. And especially okay. if the goals that I have want that's what I want want to reach them, I can't really have a full time job or. Uh, too many hours taken away from my training. So I found sure. a way to make it happen where I'm focusing a lot of my training. I I do private lessons here and there for people, private kickboxing lessons. Sure. I work at the gym. I train at overnight shifts, anything I need to to get me by month to month right now, you know. And sure. I'm just really giving all my attention I can to, to my training because at the end of the day, that's I want to reach a big goal. And it, it requires a lot of focus into the training and, getting up every day and just giving it everything I got. Absolutely. And, you know, that makes sense for you. I know everybody at, at, at your position is in a different role. I've interviewed guys that have had 10 pro fights and are doing pretty well, but they're still building houses during the day or some other crazy yeah, kind of sure, full-time exactly. job. But I think what's so great about you is it's a priority thing. If you make developing as a fighter a priority, Living month by month might not be great, but it's the priority you have now and it's going to help you develop. And then that also, I, I thought of that when you were saying that you want to stay busy, you want to stay active and you want to have minimum of three fights because you, you're kind of putting yourself in a position where this is your focus. So taking three to five fights a year, if everything goes well and you stay healthy and the winds come along and those type things make sense. That way, by the end of 2020, you could potentially be in a much different position. I talked to exactly. a, a, a pretty big stud at 135. He just made it into UFC, Tony Gravely, who fought on the Contender Series. But I interviewed him when he had won about for CES. And he was saying that one of the advantages of staying busy taking fights is he had a two loss streak early in his pro career, which is clearly in the rearview mirror. Now he has a great record. He's fighting the UFC, but he had a two loss streak. And he was saying that he kept taking active fights. And he said that he was like five fights removed from that two loss uh, streak on a win streak of his own, but it was only like eight months a year in the rearview mirror. And he said that it helped him to stay active or else he could have been like one fight post that streak. And it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have looked as good. And he wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. So then that's Tony Gravely's thing, staying super, super um, active and busy. I think he was right around five fights a year and um, kind of like what you were talking about. I think it just depends on the mindset and it depends mm -hmm. on what happens in your, in your fight, but that's pretty great stuff. You mentioned doing private kickboxing lessons. Um, is it, and I obviously I would never ask anything that could be heard from your opponent, so I don't want. But is that sort of the background you have? Kickboxing—that's something that you that you teach to others. Um, are there other aspects of MMA, or is that really your love? Is kickboxing? Well, kickboxing is just something I like uh, teaching. It's like if I had okay. to teach anyone anything, I would rather teach them striking, okay. Muay Thai, uh, Muay Thai type of uh, training. But I'm an sure. all-around fighter. I'm a freestyle okay. fighter. At the Freestyle Fighting Academy, I, I train everything. I'm not a one-dimensional fighter. But I do love to strike, and uh, from what I've seen, I, I think Jonas loves to strike, too, so I'm excited for that. But uh, I'm good everywhere. If it goes to the floor, wrestling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable anywhere. So 
Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I actually, I actually announced, I did the, uh, the color commentary for the last fight. He was on a different organization, 247 Fighting Championships, and I, I did the, the call for Jonas. Um, so I, I'm aware at least of what his last fight looked like because I was right there um, cage side. So it'll be really exciting to see you guys uh, square off. Like, I can't wait to, to be in the crowd and, and watch you guys go to town. But since you mentioned Jonas and since you mentioned watching a video of him. You do know that he's approximately six feet, maybe five eleven, something like that, um, at one twenty five, which is which is pretty pretty long. Um is that something you, you you've taken into account as far as training or sparring partners, getting somebody that long and lean or kind of what's been your plan? Because at one twenty five, anybody around five eleven, six feet is, is is obviously very, very tall. Um I'm actually pretty happy. Uh, this is the first guy I fight that's like a little taller than me actually. Uh, mostly okay. everyone at this weight class is uh, short and stocky. I'm kind of happy right. to be fighting someone my body type. Yeah, I'm five eight, oh, so I'm I'm pretty big one twenty five in my opinion. You're uh, lean, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. One twenty five, so uh, yeah. And, uh, from what I'm expecting, he's gonna come to strike. And if anything, uh, I know he can't beat me in wrestling. He has a decent ground game, but uh, I'm excited to throw hands with uh, Jonas. It's a different type sure. of uh, style. Oh, that's wonderful. That's I mean, and obviously you mentioned your gym. Freestyle Academy a few times, which I think is important. I think we still see, it's not quite maybe as what it used to be in the early UFC days where the Gracies or certain gyms only only trained in certain techniques and their fighters would come out and only do that one technique. But you still see gyms that have certain techniques or certain finishes or certain styles. Obviously, a great gym at a later, lighter weight is Team Alpha Male. They have a certain technique yeah. style that they try to produce. And so... I, I think it makes a lot of sense that your freestyle academy, you, you want to be a freestyle fighter. You want to be somebody that, that has a lot of skills and is well-rounded, which I think is great. And I, I love watching all MMA. I think striking is really what makes MMA super exciting. I mean, from an average fan watching, striking is what's really super, super fun. And then all the other stuff is cool, too, uh, as far as grappling and wrestling and, and the submissions. But I think for the average person watching a fight, unless they really understand elements of MMA striking is obviously uh, what you could first see. So that'll be super exciting. And yeah, I think at 125, 135, you get a lot of people at a five, four, five, five, very short and thick. And so it's, it's cool to me to hear how excited you are to face a guy with a different, a different body type. Um, And and that's just fun. And you're staying hungry and active, which is wonderful. Um, Who are your shout outs? What are your thank yous before we wrap up? I can't wait to see you on October 12th in action. It's going to be fun. And I think it's a great shout out to Stout and Andy Anderson for bringing somebody in and, and actually, you know, making, making the, the first fight, somebody that you could just go down the street and get somebody, but getting somebody from Florida and making it kind of more of a, more of an exciting you know, you're bringing somebody in from a distance. So who are you, who are you uh, thankful and shout out wise? And then we'll see you on October 12th. Well, for sure. Absolutely. Um, Andy Anderson for giving me the opportunity <laughs> and uh, flying me out there uh, to do my sure. thing. Uh, everyone at the Freestyle Fighting Academy, my coaches, mm. uh, Marcos Avalon, uh, Jason Soares, Adir Terry, my training partners, uh, Carlos Espinosa, Edwin Saria, Anil Villamontes, Abraham McGeary, there's a bunch of guys that could go on for, for days probably. Mm. And all my other coaches at the Freestyle Fighting Academy. Um, my friends are definitely going to be watching from uh, back at home. So they'll be uh, watching the live stream. And they're actually thinking of doing something at my gym. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on me that night, even from back home. Oh. So 
you know, uh, thanks again, and I'll see you October 12th. We'll come back with that win. See you October 12th, buddy.